Hi everybody, welcome back to episode 33 of A Couple of Creeps. I am your hostess Morgan and I am joined by my favorite co-host Colin. Say hi Colin. Hello. If you've noticed when... <laughs> if I haven't spoken other than like the one word, hello, and you're like, have you heard how fucking nasty his voice is? Because <laughs> he's got a head cold. He's got a head cold and I told, <clears throat> asked him this morning if I needed to take him outside to see the sunrise one, <laughs> one last, last time. time. Yeah, and then put me down. And put him down. Just put a bullet in the back of my head. So if you hear some sniffles in the middle of this story, just know Colin is fighting for his life. And with my, no- my voice is obnoxiously nasally. nasally. Which I can hear that it is. It always is. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> so what are you telling me about this week? So last week we talked about a couple disappearances from the Appalachian Trail and the I recall. cave routes and stuff. Cave people. Cave people. <laughs> so I thought I would kind of stick with the theme and I have 14 scary stories. 14? From the Appalachian Trail. They're not massively long. So God, I, I hope not. So I thought we could tell them all, yeah, it just goes from being a half hour to three hours and 45 minutes. I already do minutes. one 90-minute podcast a week. I don't need another one. <clears throat> Hold on to your balls, boys. We're going in. Oh, golly. All right. So, gird your loins. Gird your loins. We're going in for the Appalachian Trail. So this is just more Appalachian disappearances, <laughs> essentially? Not not really. I think there might be one about a disappearance, but it's just scary stories. But right. so the Appalachian Mountain Trail is one of the most famous hiking paths in the United States, which United States, which is also the longest hiking only trail in the world. It spans 14 states and at least 2,200 miles from Maine to Georgia. Jesus. And through several intersecting areas to hike in the United States. The Appalachian Mountain Trail has a great history and somehow has helped to preserve the culture and history of the region that it passes through over the years. Hill folk. Yes. Since it was commissioned. However, there have been several scary stories and urban legends based around the Appalachian Mountain. Mm-hmm. Wrong turn. Mm-hmm. With some being real and others just some stories. Yeah. Most parts of the trail are desolate and remote, cutting through mountains and thick forests, which have brought about some chilly encounters for the hikers. Some of the scary stories heard from hikers come when individuals have covered long distances without coming into contact with any humans, making the mind think of other things. Right. <clears throat> other incidents might be real as investigations show that there might be some possibility of encountering, encountering creepy things while on the trail. Creepy. 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 Well, it's a couple of creeps, baby. <laughs> so the first story I have for you, the man pers- pursued by the scorched man. Oh, God. All right. The Scorched. The Scorched Man. Hiking alone along the Appalachian Mountain might bring up some inner fear and imagination of being followed or pursued by some unseen human or animal. In 2011, a certain man decided to take a week off from work and go hiking alone along the Appalachian Trail. A certain man. I like that 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 phraseology makes it sound like it's a celebrity of some kind. (laughs) A certain man. (laughs) Just George Clooney. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whose name rides with uh, Morge Blooney. And you're like, what the, the fuck are you talking about? Morge. <laughs> Morge Blooney. Sorry, you were being creepy. I was. I got to get back into that persona yeah. now. <laughs> it's easy for you to be creepy, let's be honest. <laughs> you scare the shit out of me most mornings. Thank you. Nope. That's what I am for. Well, between you being a creepy bee and... 
me having a nasally voice all the time, you know, match made in heaven. Match made in heaven right there. At the beginning of the hike, everything was going well until he got a frightening experience that he will never forget. As he had gone deeper into the trail and day turned to night, he camped over at his tent. What? Your creepy voice is kicking my ass, dude. Here, here. As he stayed over at his tent. <laughs> Number 47, the gloop clop glibbler. That kills me. <laughs> Did you see it? Did you see it? One night, the man heard some noises approaching his tent, but he never got bothered by them, nor did he go out to check out where the noise was coming from. Smart man. Yeah. The following day, he continued with his hiking and made camp where he sat around his fire. Suddenly, he was left shocked when he saw, saw a man standing near his firewood with his, the other man's hands and body badly burned and a smoking face. <gasps> The experience shocked him and left him numb, but the burned figure kept staring at him before walking away. The scared man decided to pack his belongings and leave the area quickly, <laughs> only to come across a recently burned down house with the sheriff around it. Oh, fuck. The sheriff narrated to the man that four days before, the entire family burned alive in the house. Dun, dun, dun. Number two, the cursed village. Another creepy story about the Appalachian Trail is about a town or village known as Dudley Town. Dudley. Dudley. The Appalachian Trail passes through several locations with some of these places being inhabited while others are deserted. Dudley Town was a very weird nickname, the Village of the Damned, which is believed to have been cursed a long time ago. Jesus. <laughs> Where are you from? The Village of the Damned? <laughs> the village has a very horrifying history, which has kept off several hikers who pass through it. Dudley Town was founded by the descendants of Edmund Dudley, a man who was beheaded by Henry VIII for treason and was said to have cursed the land and had a cursed family. Jesus. The town was built in the 18th century and was abandoned by the inhabitants in the 19th century with visible ruins being left behind. The real story about the reason for the inhabitants abandoning the town is not clear, but there are several stories around this. Some people believe that the town was abandoned because the residents who stayed there soon went insane or committed suicide after claiming that they were possessed by demons. In the present day, people have reported seeing strange lights and orbs surrounding this damned village. Damned village. Number three. <clears throat> Number three. A young girl spots a ghost while camping on the trail. Hold on, we're going to cooperate here. What's the title of this one? A young girl spots a ghost while camping on the trail. Young girl spots a ghost while camping on the trail. Yeah. All right. And this is number three? Yeah. All right. Number three, a young girl notices a creepy on the campsite while she's on the trail. <laughs> close. <laughs> notices a creepy. creepy. So close. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> a young girl spots a ghost while camping on the trail. All right. I was in the ballpark. That's why I said you're so close. <laughs> Completely forgot what she'd seen that was creepy, so it just said spots are creepy. That's what you say when you see me at the fridge in the morning, get my coffee oh, cream shit. out. I spotted a creepy. I spotted a creepy. <laughs> I sound like a clicker from The Last of Us. Skin's all gray, your eyes are black, and you're just... It's like those memes of Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> Except you're just pouring some creamer. Which is funny, because she's from the Appalachian area. My God. My God, it all connects. <clears throat> it's all coming together, folks. Not many people believe in ghosts, but some believe that they do exist. With some... <laughs> what? Some don't believe in ghosts, but some believe that they do exist. 
I can't help it. I sound like a valley girl. <laughs> I'm just laughing at how wordy that phrase is where you're like, some people don't believe in ghosts. Some do. But you're like, some people don't believe in ghosts. However, some other people also do believe that sometimes the spirits are of the damned are alive and still walk this plane. <clears throat> My high school uh, government teacher would call that fluff. He'd say, cut it down. <laughs> Fine. A certain young girl was hiking with her parents along the Appalachian Trail when she had her first experience of sighting a ghost. During the hike, they had made camp for the night as her father was fast asleep. She was frightened by something that could not give her any sleep. The following morning... <laughs> could not give her any sleep? Did you copy and paste a story that wasn't originally written in English? What is this? Did you copy and paste the story? You hand wrote this story from reading it on another page? <laughs> How, how did you write this? How did you come to this story? Because that wasn't English. That was broken-ass English. She Repeat it for me. She spotted something that did not allow her sleep. Is that what you said? Yeah. She was frightened by something that could not give her any sleep. Could not give her any sleep. That's not originally English. <clears throat> That's a non-native speaker. Uh, as her father was fast asleep, she was frightened by something that kept her awake at night. Bingo. The following morning, the girl took her mother for a walk before they continued hiking. Mm -hmm. As they were walking around, her mother suddenly stopped and stared blankly into the distance. The young girl followed her mother's gaze and saw a hazy apparition. Apparition? <laughs> apparition. <laughs> saw a hazy apparition. <laughs> Stop it. Apparition. Saw a hazy... Apparition. Apparition, which stood against a tree a few meters from where they were. It was a man who was calm but sad and just faded away, leaving the tense mother and child at their spot. My God. <laughs> sad, and he faded away. Yeah. He was by the chief. Oh, it's, it's, it's not fucking worth it anymore. Number four. Number four. Civil War soldiers ghost haunting Maryland. <laughs> These are too wordy. <laughs> Civil War Ghost civil war maryland. ghost haunt maryland in 1862 there were three major civil war battles which were fought over different fronts on what is now known as the maryland section that is along the appalachian trail several lives especially those of soldiers were lost in the bloodshed and endless carnage the death count of these soldiers seemed to be so high that some people believe that their spirits remain Hikers of the Appalachian Trail who go through the passes have reported several creepy stories. Some of them have reported seeing ghost soldiers, odd campfires, and the sounds of cannons blasting in the distance. Jesus, can you imagine being asleep at night and you just hear, boof! boof. Like, fuck, we're at war. Next to the pass where the bloodshed was overwhelming, there is a farm of a man known as Daniel Wise, which is believed that the bodies of 58 soldiers were tossed down an old well, which has caused reports of ghostly figures wandering around Wise's properties. The story of Spearfinger is number Spearfinger? Yeah, it's number five. It's like a rejected Bond villain. The spirit of Spearfinger. Some of the creepy stories of the Appalachian Trail are legends from the early native people of the region, the Cherokee Indians. There is this legend of the Spearfinger, which has been used over and over to scare children. The Spearfinger is said to be a witch-like hag Jesus. who is said to be able to take on the figure or persona of an old grandmother who is so friendly. <laughs> the Spearfinger lurks around the highest peaks of the Smoky Mountains as she keeps a special eye on children who have wandered away from their homes and parents. My God. These children are usually afraid, which Spearfinger takes advantage of as she tells them she will help them find their parents, but her antic is slow and she sings them to sleep. Like, she's... 
walking with them. And yeah. as she's walking to keep them calm, she's kind of humming and singing a lullaby. Yeah. She then uses her fingers to gouge out their liver and eat it in front of them. My God. <laughs> yeah, specifically their liver. I know. She's got a specific taste. It's their liver and she eats it's them in front liver. of them. Fuck yeah, dude. Number six. Mm-hmm. A man encounters a man's encounter with the Pierce Pond ghost. Pierce Pond ghost? Twice. He encounters oh, this thing twice. A man was hiking along Pierce Pond in Maine when he had two shocking experiences that he'll never forget. He had hiked for several miles, making stops and camping over at night at various locations. However, one night as he was out enjoying his campfire in the Pierce Pond area, he suddenly spotted a figure that was walking a short distance away from his campsite. Taking a close look, the figure seemed to be ghostly in appearance and had the looks of a woodsy outdoorsman type with something that appeared to be fishing gear. Okay. The first night, the ghostly figure faded into the night. The following day, the man continued with his hike but encountered the ghostly figure yet again. However, this time it was scary as the figure stopped to stare at him, giving him the chill of his life. My God. The hiker did not hesitate as he abandoned his (laughs) camp, ran off into the forest, hid behind a tree, and waited until morning. He hurriedly returned to his campsite, packed up his stuff, and got, got out the of the place of quickly it. before nightfall found him. <laughs> I love that he hid in the trees. He's like, I gotta get the fuck out I of here. I gotta get the fuck out of here. Phantom encounter on the trail. In 1972, a solo hiker was enjoying his walk through the Appalachian Trail. However, he encountered a ghost from another time. At some point during the hike, the hiker noticed a heavy ground fog that had started surrounding him, which hit him with shock. Upon looking up, he saw a huge person walking with a heavy coat and wide-brimmed hat. The phantom slowly staggered about while his eyes faced the ground as if he was searching for something that he had lost. The figure started walking towards the already frightened hiker, still looking at the ground, which made the hiker move aside to avoid being bumped into. As the two were close, the phantom suddenly looked at the hiker, who was shocked by the man's cloudy blue eyes, which stared straight through him. What shocked the hiker more is that the man's clothes seemed to come from a different period and never responded when he tried to say hello. The hiker retaliated by walking ahead and turned back only to discover the man had vanished. My God. Poofed away in a puff of smoke. A puff of smoke. Number eight. Mysterious. Halfway there. Mysterious children giggling around hikers. (laughs) (laughs) Just getting bullied by seventh graders. Don't go on the Appalachian Trail. There's a bunch of mean kids that'll laugh at you. They'll laugh at you. A group of hikers had set camp at a certain location after several miles of hiking. After a good night's sleep, the hikers woke up to something bizarre as they were backpacking. On this morning, the group of hikers woke up and found their campsite surrounded by a thick mist that was not fading away as the sun came out. They began packing up and started hearing children's laughter coming from around them. As the group was about to be done packing, a group of children led by one parent walked out of the mist and started walking past them. These creepy children asked the hikers where they were going, and someone responded that they were hiking along the Appalachian Trail. The kids started laughing, and one of them replied, This isn't the Appalachian Trail. As they kept walking off, the hikers spent the whole day hearing the children giggling around them. Jesus. (laughs) Just the thought of just hearing... (laughs) We gotta keep moving. We gotta keep going. Don't stop. Mysterious abduction by unknown people. Stories of people being abducted along the trail and later being found after losing their direction are many. 
However, in 1988, a certain man hiking along the trail had a very awful experience, which is rather more frightening than encountering your ghost. As a man was hiking along the trail, he noticed a bright light coming from the forest that was next to him. He never bothered anyone, nor did he investigate the source of the light, but he set up camp somewhere nearby. First off, no. In the middle of the night, he got startled as he woke up and found a man standing over his hammock. The man got startled, fled, and yelled to some other unseen people that the hiker was awake. Being terrified by this incident, the hiker quickly packed up and continued his hike quickly to put more distance between the unseen people. The hiker continued with nonstop hiking for some days, which allowed him to relax a bit for the night. Suddenly, the night he took a rest in his hammock, he was cut down, wrapped up, and dragged away to some unknown location. The people began beating him mercilessly oh as they shouted to one another as others were preparing something. Luckily, the hiker got a chance to cut through his hammock and escaped. He ran away back to civilization and reported to the police who inquired and never found anyone who had kidnapped the hiker. My God. The fuck were they going to do to him? I don't know. They were going to eat him. Probably. That is wrong turn back there. I was going to say. A young couple tracked and watched by un... Known forces. A young couple had the worst experience while on the Appalachian Trail. The two were in the southern part of Virginia when they had this creepy experience. One night, as they were asleep in their tent, they were woken up to the sound of rustling and odd noises coming from outside their tent. The young man went out to investigate and managed to scare off some figures that were lurking around and watched and wanted him to chase them, which he never did. Smart man. The following night, the couple camped with their backs to a cliff to prepare for anything, and they had their guns prepared. Yeah. As they were asleep, the figures returned, which made the couple fire their guns, making the figures retreat. The young couple had to hustle their way out of the place, and around midday, they saw a silhouette of a figure standing in the distance watching them. Luckily, they managed to get off the trail and get to civilization in time. People creep me out, dude. Yeah. 24 hikers go missing on the Appalachian Trail. Oh, God. On the Appalachian Trail, roughly 24 hikers go missing each year, although the great majority are located within two days. This adds to the intrigue surrounding Geraldine Largay's strange case. In 2013, the 66-year-old suddenly disappeared while halfway through her walk. She had planned to hike eight miles north that day to meet her spouse at a rest area. Her husband had met her at several spots along the way to offer support and supplies, but Geraldine had never shown up. 2015 saw the discovery of her body around 30 minutes from a town accessible route. Her body? Her body. Fuck. And they never figure out who did it? Yeah. Goddamn, baby. 12. A burned <laughs> fig... <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Number 12. A burned figure that stares. All right. It's the scorched man again. In 2011, a man took a week off work to go hiking along the Appalachian Trail, but it ended up being a terrifying experience he would never forget. He heard noises coming from outside his tent, but he chose not to go outside to check. Correct. Smart. The next evening, when he was relaxing by his fire, he was startled to discover a stranger standing close to his fuel. This is straight. This is the exact. This is straight up the scorched man. Yeah, but this man packs up and leaves. Gotcha. So it's the same story, but he dips. Yeah. The charred figure only stared at the man with empty eyes before leaving since the victim was too terrified to even move. <laughs> the man was so horrid, f- horrified by this that he immediately began to pack up and leave the place. Oh, damn. He's like... Maybe it was the same ghost. He's like, I gotta go. I gotta go. 
Hikers have reported seeing a little boy wandering the campgrounds. Adi Klein Powell is a figure from one of the Appalachian Trail's longest-lasting urban legends. A memorial for Powell, who passed away exactly 100 years ago at the age of four, is located on the summit of Bluff Mountain. Since then, hikers have described seeing a little boy roaming the campsites in search of something, but never actually finding it. Many ideas about Powell and the reasons why he still haunts the area have been sparked by the fact that no one knows how he died. A lot of effort has been, has been put into creating elaborate stories to explain Powell's fate, but the real facts appear to have been lost to time. And the last one. Number 14. Number 14. The story of a man who couldn't help but kill people around there. Um, <laughs> like how unceremonious that title is. Story of a man who just couldn't help but kill people around there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming you mean the Appalachian area, maybe? Yeah. You just couldn't help but, but kill people around there. Couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> the Appalachian Trail has very few reported crimes, which makes the story of Randall Lee Smith all the more terrifying. Smith admitted to killing two hikers on the trail back in the 1980s. He acknowledged making friends with them and hanging out with them on the route, but in the middle of the night, he shot and stabbed one of them. Oh, my God. He was given a 30-year prison <clears throat> Wait, term. Wait, he shot and stabbed only one of them? Only... So he shot and stabbed the same guy? Yeah. That's fucked up. He was given a 30-year prison term, but he only completed half of it. When he reappeared, he made an attempt to repeat the action. So they let him out after 15 years. Good behavior. On the same route, he made friends with two fishermen and attempted to murder them both. They were both shot by him, yet they lived. My God. Smith attempted to escape the situation in a pickup truck, but crashed and died as a result. <laughs> what a fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't kill him, and he crashed. And he crashed. So those are my, my 14 stories. I love it. Did you um, like them? I did. It was very... Um... <laughs> there was a variety, yeah. you know? Whether it be like, oh my God, that poor lady was killed and never found her. Never found. Or, you know, that guy was abducted. There's a creepy kid. <laughs> the gloop glop glibbler. The children giggling. There's giggling children. There was two separate stories about a scorched man watching a man yeah. camp. So it, it is funny because it's like some of these are like actual. Yeah. And then some of these are just like go like campfire stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. What about Spearfinger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there is just this wildly swinging pendulum of like, oh, that's a real event too. This is a Cub Scout story. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> You're out there with your scout master, and he's like, I'm going to tell you the story of Spearfinger. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you either behave. <laughs> or you get the spear fingers. <laughs> you get the spear finger. If you know what I mean. <laughs> know what I'm saying? You know what I mean. What was the phrase the other night that we kept saying? If you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. We've decided yeah, to. I decided that I'm just going to say if you know what I mean after any statement. You know, it could be placed anywhere. It doesn't have to have innuendo. In fact, it's better if there isn't. Yeah, it could be like, I'm ordering pizza tonight for dinner. If you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. Because like, <laughs> What the fuck does that mean? What does that mean? What else could it mean? <laughs> it means I'm ordering pizza yeah, for pizza. dinner. Yeah. I'm just I making... forgot to lay out the hamburger. If you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. <laughs> what does that No, what does Stop it mean? Stop it. Does that mean you didn't take a Viagra? What does that mean? 
forgot to lay out the hamburger, if you know what I mean. <laughs> the well, lettuce is out. And if I don't put, put it, it back, back it's, it's going, going to, to wilt. wilt. <laughs> <laughs> but so that was my story this week. And Mr. Snot knows over here. What? Has decided he wants to do... No, no, no. Don't don't put a pretty picture on this. I've been bullied into participating more. Yes. Uh, yes. Because I don't already record and edit a 90-minute podcast during the week. He's fine. He's fine. This one has to be longer, apparently. And I need to participate and be more prepared when I come up. We've had some fans say they wish it was longer and that Colin would participate more. So he's going to start doing a segment called... A semi-recurring segment. A semi-recurring segment called Colin's Horrifying History. Maybe I could introduce the thing. I am the fucking host. I'm sorry. Please continue. (laughs) I am too Celsius deep and I had an outburst. I'd say so. I want you to do this, but let me take the reins on it. Let me take the reins on it. I have the recorder and the mic, so I feel like I have all the power. Go straight to your head. You'll have to give him a moment. He's inhaling his, his Vic Vape, stick. My Vapo inhaler by Vicks. Not, not a sponsor. No, but... But hey. You know, 90% of the year, he's got that in his pocket, and we'll be at like the grocery store, and I'll turn around to pull something out of the cart, and I'll just have that Vic stick at my nose, I'm and he's like, it. it opens him up, doesn't it? God damn, you can smell colors now, can't you? <laughs> I'm like, dude. <laughs> so I'm going to be doing a segment that I'm going to call Historically Horrifying. The president of the of the Philippines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Morgan's favorite thing to do is to half listen to me to entertain me when I talk about uh, history. But then some of the stuff is like in, intriguing to her. So then she takes half-baked historical facts <laughs> to other people and is like, did you know? And so I was regaling her about the odd man that is uh, General MacArthur, Douglas MacArthur from World War II. And how he was the field marshal of the Philippines, and that he and FDR didn't necessarily get along, right? These are the facts I'm providing her with. And this has turned into when she's telling her coworkers and her associates, did you know that the president of Puerto Rico <laughs> didn't get along very well with President Reagan? <laughs> and I'm like, no. Because you dexted me and you were like, what was the president of Puerto, Puerto Rico's, Rico's name? name? And I sent, you're not even in the ballpark. But he also sent, love the spirit, though. Love the spirit. I mean, you know, she's trying to go, I enjoyed being educated about that. Let me educate others. Except she didn't remember no. any of the pertinent details. No. Other than that, he was in some sort of leadership position over a commonwealth of the United States and didn't get along with a president. <laughs> Now, I also want to state that that conversation came up because we were talking about cruises and which cruises you need passports for. Yeah. And she was like, you don't need them for Puerto Rico. For Puerto Rico. Did you know that the president of Puerto Rico? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly how it went. Yeah. But all of that to say, I'm going to give her a historical lesson here on uh, tonight, the bubonic plague, and we'll see if she retains it or if she (laughs) turns it into something else when she tells her friends. Oof. Did you know? I'm trying to think what disease it would be instead. <laughs> Did you know COVID? Did you know that monkeypox uh, killed... Swine flu. Killed uh, 200 million people in Africa in the 1700s? And I'm like, <laughs> none of those are facts. None of that is true. I've got four, four tabs about... <laughs> Black Death, Plague, the Black Death, population decline in Europe resulting from the plague. 
It's grim. It's really gonna mess up your Google search history. Yeah, Google's gonna be like, you know what this guy likes? The plague. The plague. All right, so the Black Plague uh, is officially called the Bubonic Plague. Uh, apparently, there's two strains of the Bubonic Plague. This is from uh, the World Health Organization. So the bubonic plague is, so the, the actual bacteria is called Yersinia pestis. A lot of times you'll hear it referred to as Y pestis. And it's a zoonotic bacteria, which means that it comes from small mammals or their fleas. So watch your dogs. Um, and it's transferred between animals through those fleas. Humans can be infected, can be infected through the bite of one of those infected fleas. Um, unprotected contact with infectious bodily fluids or contaminated materials or the inhalation of respiratory droplets, small particles from a patient with pneumonic uh, plague. So they shouldn't sneeze into the fan. Right. No, not if you can help it. So that was one that I learned here was actually, so I've always heard it called mm. the bubonic plague because mm -hmm. that's what was mo that was what was affecting Europe. Yeah. But quote unquote, the plague, Ypestis, can show up as pneumonic plague as well where it's in your lungs and you've got pneumonia yeah and it has a 100 percent fatality rate oh god um it does say that everything it says nearly um but basically they were talking in on the world health organization that if you've got uh early detection antibiotic treatment is super effective against the plague bacteria um but that basically unless you find the mnemonic plague super early you're gonna die from it yeah um the cases or the, the countries with the most uh, cases currently are uh, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Madagascar, and Peru. Um, Those don't surprise me. Just because they're not like first world countries that have access to all the medications that we have. Right. Um, and it, it's harder for, um, you know, general, like the quality of, you figure the Democratic Republic of Congo has been war torn for years. Yeah. And so the quality of like the home life or your where you're living isn't always the cleanest. Yeah. Um, but all of that to say, some of those fun symptoms of the plague uh, include uh, fever, which is like yeah, all right. But then the the one that you kind of picture is uh, painful swollen lymph nodes that are called bubois, uh, which is where the bubonic part comes mm -hmm. from. And those can sometimes swell. So your lymph nodes, you know, you might get swollen lymph nodes when you've got. Like um, a sinus infection. Ch yeah. Chicken yeah. pox. A lot of times yeah. you can have a reaction and get swollen lymph nodes or shingles and things like mm -hmm. that. But these are swelling to the size of, uh, it said, an egg or an apple. Jesus. Um, which is why a lot of times if you've heard anything about the Black Death, one of the descriptions is open pustules. And it's because these lymph nodes were swelling so big that they're breaking through the skin. God. Um, and then, you know, you've got, it's the 1340s, so you don't really have any, first of all, they didn't even know about bacteria yet. Yeah. So they might just be like, bah, put some dirt on it, you know? Yeah. And so you've got now an open wound, uh, which is why you had a lot of necrosis where the wound starts to Ugh. decay and rot. Um, and sometimes it turns into a systemic infection where now it's just in the bloodstream. Yeah. Uh, but most people died within three days of the first mm. pustules being seen or the first oh. buboes being seen. That word. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, the death toll in the 1347 to 1352 outbreak in Europe specifically was up to 60% of the European population, which God. is somewhere around, which is somewhere around 50 million people. Um, so a lot of people died in Europe. Uh, yeah. I was doing the math. If 50, if 60% of the U.S. population died from a disease today, that would be nearly 200 million people dead in a five year period. Oh, my God. 
which is what, 40 million people a year? Yeah. That's, that's insane. A, that's a lot of people. Now imagine trying to come back from that, which is why you have the Dark Ages. Yeah. You know, I mean, talk about being knocked down a few pegs on like the civilization ladder. Yeah. You know, you've lost 60% of your people. Now try and have infrastructure. Yeah. Um, and, and so one of the things you had wrong was uh, there weren't a lot of educated doctors available at the time. Yeah. Uh, and so you've got, you know, if I have a passing knowledge of medicine, guess what? You get to tag in and go treat the people with the plague. Um, and so there was actually a really neat guy. Neat guy. There's a gentleman. Let me pull his name up here. By the name of. I just want to interject and say he's telling me a, he's telling me this earlier, and I had to run to our local grocery store to get dog food, and he asked me if it was busy. And I said, yeah, it was it was pretty busy. It's nice out today, so there's a lot of people out and about. And he's telling me that, and I said, well, if that happened, the wouldn't, grocery the grocery store wouldn't have been busy. No. So there's an Italian writer named Giovanni Bac- Boccaccio, and he actually lived through the plague um, in the city of Florence in 1348. And he actually was inspired to write a book called The Decameron, which is a story of seven men and three women who escaped the disease by fleeing to a villa outside the city. Uh, and he does so it's a fictional book yeah. inspired by his true experiences. But before he gets into the fictional stuff, he does provide like a graphic description of some of the events of the epidemic in his city. Yeah. So he talks about <clears throat> uh, talking about the, the section is called The Signs of Impending Death. He says, quote, the symptoms were not the same as in the East, where a gush of blood from the nose was the pain was the plain sign of inevitable inevitable death, uh, but it began both in men and women with certain swellings in the groin or under the armpit. Uh, they grew to the size of a small apple or an egg, more or less, and were vulgarly called tumors. In a short space of time, these tumors spread from the two parts named to all over the body. Soon after this, the symptoms changed, and black or purple spots appeared on the arms or thighs or any other part of the body, sometimes a few large ones, sometimes many little ones. These spots were a certain sign of death, just as the original tumor had been and still remained. Oh. So he's talking about that. Basically, like, yep, yeah, well, you're dead. Yeah. And, you know, if you saw those spots, sorry, you're fucked. You're already, you're already dead. And then he talks about uh, some of the reactions to the disaster. Where he says, such fear and fanciful notions took possession of the living that almost all of them adopted the same cruel policy, which was entirely to avoid the sick and everything belonging to them. By doing so, each one thought he would secure his own safety. And that's one of the things that it talks about is community broke down rapidly. Well, yeah. Because everybody's like, well, I mean, it's today, right? I mean, mm-hmm. think about how we handled COVID and it did not yeah. have a 60% lethality rate. Yeah. But they didn't have any technology or anything no. like that. So you just separated and there was no community anymore at a time where the only way things get done is through community. Yeah. You know, how are you farming and getting food to people if you refuse to go to market? Yeah. Right. And so you then saw rolling you know it's like the domino effect where now you've got starvation taking hold because so many people are dying that the farms go dead and so then it's this thing of again it's almost you're you're approaching societal collapse yeah you know um and there had been a famine in the 1300s already yeah Uh, and so it's like this is the second mass disaster uh in the area the 1300s were tough Uh, and it affected the middle east as well uh like 30 percent lethality in the middle east uh, and then he's talking about the breakdown of social order. He says, one citizen avoided another. Hardly any neighbor troubled about others. Relatives never or hardly ever visited each other. Moreover, such terror was struck into the hearts of men and women by this calamity. That brother abandoned brother and the uncle his nephew and the sister her brother. And very often the wife her husband. 
What is even worse and nearly incredible is that fathers and mothers refuse to see and tend their children as if they had not been theirs. So you've got people so afraid of being around other people that they're just abandoning their family yeah. uh, and, and going away. And then this was the one that I was like, Jesus. Uh, and he talks about mass burials. So he says, uh, the plight of the lower and most of the middle classes was even more pitiful to behold. Most of them remained in their houses, either through poverty or in hopes of safety, and fell sick by thousands. Uh, since they received no care and attention, almost all of them died. Many ended their lives in the streets both at night and during the day, and many others who died in their houses were only known to be dead because the neighbors smelled their decaying bodies. Oof. Uh, dead bodies filled every corner. Most of them were treated in the same manner by the survivors who were more uh, concerned to get rid of the rotting bodies than moved uh, by charity towards the dead. With the aid of porters, if they could get them, they carried the bodies out of the houses and laid them at the door, where every morning quantities of the dead might be seen. They then were laid on bears or, as they were often lacking, on tables. Oof. So you've just got tables lined with bodies, and then they're just doing mass burials. So <clears throat> that's what was going on in Europe in the like a five-year time span. Uh, like I said, 19, what, 47 to 1952, yeah. or 13, 47 to 1352. Say, damn. 1957. 50. Uh, and, and yeah, so I thought that was pretty awful. Um, and like I said, yeah, the, the decline of the population was 60, upwards of 50, uh, 60%, which was 50 million people in Europe. Why do you think the death toll was a lot less in the Middle East compared to Europe? Do you think it was the amount of people? Could be. So it, it's not too long after the Mongols, um, you know, invaded the, the, they tore through the Middle East yeah. and invaded Eastern Europe. Um, and so there was a lot less people yeah. in the Middle East. And so I think the people that did, you know, there weren't as many populated cities uh, as there were in Western Europe yeah. where the Mongols never made it that far. Yeah. Um, in fact, a lot of people fled Eastern Europe and went to Western Europe to uh, hopefully future proof themselves from the Mongols. Um, and so I think it is a piece of, well, I mean, there's just less people living close together. Yeah. And so it was harder to transfer. Uh, and I mean, it could be a case of maybe the hotter climate, the bacteria didn't I was just gonna survive say, as well. because it's so hot. Yeah, potentially. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. Again, I mean, it's all conjecture because we don't know. I mean, there was no proper, yeah. like, modern medicine back then. Yeah. It was like, well, you know, say a prayer and let it breathe, you know. Yeah. I mean, we used to think that um, tuberculosis, you know, go to a nice dry area and, you know, it's like, yeah. well, no, you don't need that, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they always, we just had bad, even when we knew about bacteria, we didn't really know how to treat diseases very well. Yeah. But yeah, um, and we don't really know exactly what caused the massive outbreak. Um, you know, it was always told like, oh, well, it was the fleas on the ships that came aboard. But then it's like, well, some people thought that the Mongols actually brought it into the Middle East, which then brought it into. Is that the same plague where people thought it came from rats? Yeah, the fleas on the rats. Okay. Um, which makes sense. Um, but again, we can't know for sure. Uh, you know, I mean, it's still hard to trace where diseases start today. I like that I said same plague, like there's so many out there. Well, this plague has recurred multiple times. Um, you know, that specific bacteria. I was reading on the World Health Organization, I think, or no, it might have been on um, good old-fashioned Wikipedia. Let me pull it back up. The Black Death. Yeah, now granted, like I said, this is Wikipedia, so. Yeah. But let's see here. <laughs> the Black Death was the beginning of the second plague pandemic. Oh, let's see. That was the second. What was the first? When was the first? Yeah. What, what was the first? If the Black Plague was the second. That's what I'm trying to read here. 
not too up to date on all my plagues. So it actually was um, the same bacteria as far as we know because of the symptoms that they describe. Uh, but it's so the first plague pandemic was the first historically recorded old world pandemic of plague, uh, the disease caused by the bacteria Y pestis. So it was the same one. Yeah, it was the same disease just much earlier. It began with the plague of Justinian in, fifth, in 541 and continued until 750 or 767 at at least 15 or 18 major waves of plague following the Just, Justinianic plague. Yeah, 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 blah, blah. But yeah, basically, it's the same disease that's kind of popped up and went away several times. But this was a massive yeah. event. Um, <clears throat> Do you think it was just because back in the 1500s, they weren't very hygienic? Well, so this was the 1300s. Oh, the but 1300s, yes. I'm sorry. But yeah, I mean, it's that thing because, again, we didn't know about bacteria. Yeah. The only thing that made us want to clean stuff is, you know what? It stinks in here or it whatever. it smells weird. And you, they were able to connect the dots and go, when we live around filth, people seem to get sick more often. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, well, yeah. Yeah, that tends to happen. Now we know. We're like, yeah, duh. Um, let me see. I was trying to look and see. Uh, yeah, the European population did not regain its 14th century level until the 16th century. So <laughs> it didn't get back to its population levels from the 1300s until the 1500s. Good God. So it took 200 years to get back to where we were. Yeah. Well, if you lost 60% of your population. Right. That's what I'm saying. If we lost uh, 200 million people in the United States. We would notice a difference. Right. Well, and that's, you know, again, think of all the infrastructure that's just yeah. not being used anymore. Yeah. It would set you back. And that's just the population that got back to, you know. Yeah. The, that, that level. You know, that's why you have the possibility of, and it seems weird to us today, but the idea of like being less advanced than yeah. people that came before you yeah. is a weird thought to us. We're like, there's no way we could ever become less advanced. But you but know that what? that used to be the way things went. If there's people that specialize in a certain area yeah. and we lose 98% of them. Yeah. We got to figure out how to, <laughs> yeah, how to do that. Yeah. Well, and you figure that's part of what the Renaissance was, was it was this rediscovery of like Greek and Roman culture and things like that. And so it's this idea that they're like, oh my God, look at how advanced these people were yeah. 1500 years ago. Yeah. You know, and that they're like, wow, they were so incredibly the democracy. What? You know what I mean? There's what? all these ideas that to them were like, wow, I had never thought that way before. Yeah. And it's like, that's because knowledge was so easily lost back then. Cause it was either just carried by me telling you knowledge you yeah. know or it was written down in the only book written yeah. you know the lighthouse of alexandria nope the library the library <laughs> you I, always do that i always call it the lighthouse but all of that to say yeah the the plague recurred jesus uh the second pandemic was particularly widespread in the following years 1360 to 1363 and it goes all the way up till 1667 and you know sporadic bursts yeah. um but it did, uh, it says that the subsequent outbreaks, though severe, marked the plague's retreat from most of Europe by the 18th century and northern Africa by the 19th century. So we were still having small plague outbreaks somewhere yeah. in the world up into the 1800s. Yeah. Um, but obviously none quite like the Black like Death. Like that, yeah. So, yeah. It was an awful time to be alive. It sounds like it. <laughs> I appreciate it, though. Yeah. I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed listening to you because I'm not a yeah, big... You do. Shut up. I'm not a big history buff like you are, but I do enjoy learning about it. Yeah. Especially since, you know, it's something you're passionate about. Yeah. So I think I'll like this segment. Yeah. But uh, next week, we're going to talk about Lester Brocklehurst. 
Brocklehurst. Easy for me to I was say. I say, I'm excited for that story <laughs> because you're going to continually go, Les Brocklehurst. So I can promise you right now, I will not be saying his last name a whole lot in this story. He'll just be <laughs> Lester. Yeah. But uh, if you don't know who he is, please come back next week to learn about him. That's right. And if you liked Colin's story and you would like to hear more, give us an email at a couple of creeps at gmail.com. That's a letter A, couple O creeps at gmail.com. And I hope you have the best week. And as always, stay creepy, my friends. <laughs>